Okay, hello and welcome to the BIF Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, MJ Vidal. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast, you'll notice that I have had a different theme song for the last several episodes. been experimenting with different ones uh, since starting out. I was going to go with an original theme, and uh, but I think for now we're going to stay with, with the last one that we had. So I also apologize. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since our last uh, recording. Um, the... We had a, I, I think I had to pivot a little bit um, as far as the focus of this podcast. Uh, I had also just some life situations. I have an aging parent right now that uh, uh, needs a little bit more time and attention. But uh, and and we're you know thankfully we have a, a a lot of family members trying to help out. So, but you know life life happens and. You know, we have to deal with it as it goes, but but this is definitely an important topic that we're going to move forward with. So um, we're going to continue. So when I first started this podcast, it was the result of a lifetime of struggle, many hours of research and a desire to share my story and raise, raise awareness about this obscure condition. Uh, my core cast characteristics were absent mindedness and social incompetence in a way which led to a broader adaptive difficulties in, in everyday life, you know, from maintaining steady employment, friendships, and relationships. Although I've never been diagnosed formally with BIF or, or anything of that nature, um, when I learned about this term and its description, I felt that it described me very accurately. So, you know, a few years ago, I came across a support group uh, uh, for parents with children with BIF on Facebook, which I was surprised to, to find. I didn't even know that BIF was even used at all in any academic or psychological setting, but, but it is, it is. So I found this group and I joined it and I posted some things and whatnot. This was about four years ago. And then, uh, then, you know, I just got distracted with life and whatnot. And, uh, didn't go back there for a while until I started this podcast a few months ago. And then I went back in there just to see what it was like right now. And I was surprised, not surprised, but I was pleasantly surprised to find out that uh, the membership had grown and a lot of people are active on there. Uh, and not only is it parents of BIF, but some people there that have had, um, that have some expertise and on the subject that are sharing their knowledge. So there's, it's a pretty active group for the most part. And, um, I just, just going back made me realize, well, you know, it's not just people that, um, uh, it's not just adults that I should be reaching out to because originally I was going to reach out to and really make this about adults with, with that have this condition that are on the BIF range or have, you know, absent mindedness, but this is an actual term that is being used, that is being diagnosed, uh, in schools, uh, and a lot of people that to the point that they've started a, a support group. So I'm going to pivot a little bit, at least for now and, and start and just share some, some information that I've looked at recently. That's another reason why we've, um, we've, uh, delayed, our podcast because I uh, I got in contact with someone in the group. They shared some information. I also did some some research on my own uh, uh, last couple of weeks, 
and uh, printed out and found and printed a lot of new articles, uh, some that are older, but that I've just recently discovered. And I'm not going to talk about all those articles today, but I do, but uh, there is particular, there's one particular article that really, um, I think, bring, uh, really brings home the point of borderline intellectual functioning, where it's at, how it compares to some similar conditions and, and kind of an update. And, and really, that's what I'm going to talk about today. So um, and so yeah, so anyways, and one of those topics that this article covers is learning disabilities. That's kind of the, the are the title of my um, uh, the, the episode today is how it overlaps with BIF. Okay, so like I said, the initial focus of my podcast was to reach adults who have BIF characteristics, which is kind of challenging because adults my age or thereabouts, we didn't grow up with this t term. We didn't know about this term as far as I know. And most of us, if we, um, I suspect that people that have these characteristics like I do, have probably also dealt with depression, anxiety, and other conditions, and that's how they probably identify themselves, not as some BIF. So it's going to be challenging to reach this population, but I believe in time as BIF becomes better understood and more people that, that have these type of characteristics will be able to identify with that rather than other secondary, in my opinion, secondary issues, uh, and maybe they'll be able to find the appropriate support groups and information to to help them okay so um in today's episode i'm going to discuss a portion of this recent article it's titled aptly borderline intellectual functioning and update by stephen greenspan now he makes the case that many people uh that test in the bif range whether it's you know whatever age group they are but people that are in this bif range uh, that are, though are too mild to qualify for special needs services, their deficits are significant enough to place them at risk for mental illness, poverty, incarceration, and like. And his proposal to alleviate this is, at first glance, very surprising. He proposes to remove the BIF category altogether and, and, and at the same time raise the the lower IQ limit for intellectual disability disorder and to rely more on executive functioning and adaptive skills assessments. So I mentioned executive functioning and or I mentioned cognitive functioning. Executive functioning is pretty much the same thing. It's your cognitive processing. So he wants to rely more on these things, these tests for these uh, abilities and to raise the IQ limit higher so that more people can qualify for disabilities. That's his point. But he makes, that's his overall um, uh, proposal, but he makes some interesting points for this, uh, particularly when I, what I'm gonna discuss today is learning disabilities. Now Greenspan, the, guy, the author, has a, has a background in adults with learning disabilities and, and social competence. So here's the first point he brings up about the intersection of learning disability and BIF, stating, quote, in theory, learning disability, as it is used in the United States, should not overlap with BIF 
as a di diagnosis of learning disability, typically termed specific learning disability or SLD, usually requires normal intelligence but hypothetically brain-based difficulties in a single area of academic achievement, such as reading or math. In practice, however, a large percentage of students classified with SLD in school have IQs in the borderline range or even intellectual disability range and have significant adaptive deficits, and they're struggling with all academic subjects. The likely reason for this misuse of learning disability labels is that schools today are very reluctant to assign the intellectual disability label, thus to provide services for students who no longer qualify for, for needed special services and thus cannot receive them because their IQ is too high. These students were assigned to a learning disability classroom or, or learning disability services even if they did not meet the official designation of learning disabilities. So what he's saying is here is the original learning disability definition is is someone with like dyslexia, like they you know they read things backwards, or maybe someone that has trouble adding numbers or reading you know mixes up numbers. Now a lot of people have you know heard of this, and there's you maybe we met someone I know I've I've heard of people met people that have dyslexia, but they're perfectly f otherwise fine. You know they don't have any noticeable you know, cognitive uh, or or intellectual intelligence limitations. They're they're perfectly fine. They function fine. They just are a little dyslexic. That's what the original definition of of learning disability was supposed to be. But over time, um, a lot of teachers, when they come across students that are kind of following falling behind, and um not able to keep up with the rest of the students but they're not they're not impaired enough to need special education they're not to qualify as special needs quote unquote or you know disabled so what the teachers have been doing is just broadening the learning disability and just labeling people and diagnose well di not diagnosing because they're not doctors but they've been labeling a lot of not just teachers perhaps you know in general schools have been labeling a lot of students with learning disability. And kind of that's been used like as a code, like, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. But that's kind of what they've been doing to help get these kids the services and attention and special classrooms they need to, 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 to help them get through their classes, really. Greenspan further illustrates this, this intersection. So a lot of people that are, that are being a lot of these students that are being classified as learning disabilities, it's because they're a little, they're, they have subtle cognitive deficits, meaning they're a little bit slow, very subtle. Or maybe they're not processing things as quickly. They just process them more, whatever the case it is. So according to Greenspan, he thinks that a lot of people in the, that th there's that, that's where that overlap comes in with BIF. People that, sh that, in actuality, have BIF. They're in the intellectual or the cognitive range that are that's just below normal but above uh, in disability. Instead of diagnosing them with BIF, they've been di they've been labeling them with learning disabilities. And you know, every child is different, every person's different, but that's how it's expanded. That's why, and we'll talk about this. It's 
now like people use learning disabilities all the time i've met people in my personal life and professional life that you know say oh this person has a learning disability that's why they're maybe they you know they can't get the best job or they can't per quite you know they they're not going to be able to be hired in certain kind of jobs or maybe they're just not you know it's almost like code in a way for for oh that person's a little slow but they don't say that they say oh they have learning disabilities that's kind of how that word has as that term has evolved to be honest and this guy just kind of nails it he's he 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 picks it out right here and he and he continues Continuing back to the article, he says, Greenspan, um, oh yeah, back to the article, he, later in the article, quote, I once, and this, we're talking about the author, Greenspan, I once led a discussion group on the topic of social competence, my research specialty, for an agency serving adults with learning disability. Half the group, cause half the group consisted of successful adults who spent the time expressing shame over being unable to read well, whereas the other half consisted of marginally functioning adults who spent the time denying that they had IDD or intellectual disability. As a result of this experience, the support group was split in two in order to better address the concern of these two distinct subgroups, one with specific learning disability, the other with BIF and social incompetence. End quote. Okay, so here he's, he's talking about a direct experience he had with adults who supposedly all had learning disabilities. And he was able to distinguish the differences between these two main groups. One with specific learnings, people that he's, he called them successful adults. Probably adult people, adults that were well adapted, had jobs, perhaps they had partner, you know, spouses or partners perhaps they they had their own home they maybe they had their own kids who knows but he just says he doesn't go into detail he just says successful adults so imagine you can imagine what that means but they had a specific learning disability and they were ashamed of it they, oh you know i'm dyslexic they like like because otherwise they're they're normal quote unquote they're fine so for them just to have a label learning disability i can imagine nobody wants to have any label that has the name disability on it so they were successful people that were otherwise fine, except for this little specific learning disability, probably most likely dyslexia or dyscalculia, something like that. Okay. Then the other half, or more or less, was were people, marginally functioning adults, that were trying to deny that they had intellectual disability. Now think about that. They were marginally, first of all, marginally functioning adults. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, elaborate on that, but you can imagine maybe they're not as successful as the other group. They're not, maybe not working. They're, maybe they are working, but not as good. At, they're not making as much money, or they're working in much more simpler jobs, much more low-paying jobs. Perhaps they're not, they don't have a lot of friends. Perhaps they don't have a partner. Perhaps they don't have a family. So, that's what I'm assuming he means. And I can assume that based on how he's describing, based on the, the rest of the article, how he, how he talks about this whole topic. So, But this, this second group of marginally functioning adults um, is trying to deny that they have any intellectual disability. Okay? Interesting. Why do they do that? Well, 
they've been they've been told all their life that they have a learning disability and in their mind that is different than a intellectual disability meaning going back to that first quote right where a lot of students were were labeled as learning disability not special needs not needing special ed just you know a little bit they just need a little help so they never were they never they always um, were convinced that they were not disabled. They just had a learning disability, which is something that's better, that's not as bad as an actual disability, actual intelligence or intellectual disability. So that's what the second group, but their life, their life evidence of their life showed that they weren't quite typical they weren't quite quote-unquote normal they were marginally functioning so it's it's interesting that 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 dissonance that tension between what reality is and what they've been told what they've been made to think right they're marginally functioning they're struggling they're maybe not they're trying to hold down a job maybe they don't have a good job maybe they're not working that many hours maybe they're not they don't have a wife or spouse or whatever Right, the, the evidence of their life suggests that they're slightly impaired. They're slightly deficient. But they're spending so much time, oh, I don't have a disability. But I don't, I don't, I don't have a disability. It's a learning disability. You see that, that conflict? I forget the word that I'm trying to use, but there's that like um, dissonance in, in what's actually real and what they believe. So... What, that's why the, the, the author here separated the two groups. One group was fine in their life. They just, you know, they, they read back, they, they have dyslexia. If they're doing well in life, really how big of a deal is their specific learning disability? If they're already an adult, <laughs> what's it going to matter? If they're able to function, if they're able to be responsible, who cares? But the other group... Um, the one that has more general learning disability, quote-unquote, but are marginally functioning, those have different needs. And those are the ones that, I guess, this, this author was focusing on as far as social competence or incompetence, okay? So that's an interesting distinction, that, that, and it's a very important distinction to be made. And obviously, it's not something that a lot of people are going to want to say out loud or even understand, but this is this person's speciality. So... It's, I think he hits it right on the head. I mean, it, this explains this whole this whole explosion of learning disabilities that we've had. And I'll, I'll talk about this in future episodes. There's a lot of um, lot of new schools of thought, lot of new labels out there for for um, kids now that have they're calling them dif uh, learning differences, not learning impairments. Which I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not judging or saying it's good or bad but there's been a whole lot of new schools of thought so but this kind of starts to kind of peel back the curtain as to why um there's been a much higher prevalence of learning disabilities being um being uh labeled to students or people okay his solution is to break break up the two make sure that you there's there's specific learning disability and then there's general that was one suggested solution. 
Okay, but look at what he says here. He says that's that's not his suggestion. That's a suggestion. Okay, now who knows what they're doing now? Perhaps they're doing that already. This was written in 2017, so yeah, who knows? A lot of things can change in the last four years. Now, the main rationale for such a development, well, let me back up here. When used as an educational term, general learning disability, which has also been termed slow learners, okay, like, like I mentioned earlier, um, sometimes people use this as code for like, oh, they're a little slow. In schools, they say it. They say slow learners. And apparently when they say that, they're not using it in a pejorative way. You know, in development, he's talking about is the splitting up between the general learning disability and the specific learning disability. The main rationale for this development is a widespread concern that individuals with BIF and poor adaptive skills are a very at-risk population that is not being served adequately either in school or in the community as a result of raising the IQ ceiling for IDD designation. So he's, he's explaining the raising the IQ ceiling. This is a whole other topic uh, that he gets into f from years ago when they used to, they used to consider people with disabilities uh, at IQ ranges of higher than they do now. And this back in the 60s or 70s, they lowered it. So now a lot of people that are in the borderline range don't qualify for special ed. That's something I, I didn't know. And so that's part of the reason why you've seen a lot of a lot of schools um, start assigning people with learning disabilities, just to make up for that that um, that difference. Um, so he brings up an important point about how that individuals of BIF or quote-unquote learning disability as they as they call it general or poor adaptive skills are a very at-risk population okay so when you think about these students in school they have such subtle disabilities such subtle deficits that they're labeled learning disabilities and they can get them through school they can figure out how to take tests and pass their classes. And that's great. As long as they're able to do that, that's as much as the schools care, to be honest. I mean, or, you know, as long as, you know, and of course, behavior and all that. But academic-wise, as long as they can get through classes, that's all they care about, right? As long as they're not misbehaving, there's no issues at home, you know, those kind of things. But once you get out in the real world, if you are indeed... If you have a subtle cognitive deficit, something that you were born with, and you're going to have all your life, and you might be able to get through school with some minor supports and barely, but if you truly do have some subtle cognitive deficits, you're in the BIF range, you have poor adaptive skills, like this group that this author was working with, they're really going to affect your life. Now, he, he talks about these, this second group had BIF and social incompetence. That's the thing about BIF. It's not just, it's not a minor thing that doesn't affect anyone. It barely has any effect. It has a huge effect. It has a domino effect. What happens if you have a social, if, sorry, a, a cognitive deficit, if it's really minor, your mind 
gets tired more easily. It gets taxed more easily. You're not able to um, uh, multitask as effectively. You're not able to attend to a lot of details as 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 good as others, perhaps. Um, in social skills, you know, when I w when I worked with um, uh, when I was a caseworker for people with disabilities, we you know we had a label for for uh, or different severities for people with disabilities. We had mi you know mild, moderate, severe, and, and profound. I guess we had a bunch of different labels, and the 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 milder that people got, the less services they would need. But I always remember, and usually it was either people that were high-functioning autism or uh, high-functioning or Asperger's um, or, or similar mild mild intellectualism, like super mild. There were some people that were in that area. And I remember the biggest thing they struggled with because they were able to do most anything else. But they really struggled with social skills. Now, why is that? Social skills is more of a higher level of cognitive uh, demands you might be able to learn how to you know do a simple job perhaps you know maybe working out I don't know anything you pick a simple job a lot of people with very mild subtle cognitive deficits can learn simple jobs right they might be able to get services to help them live with roommates they might be able to get services to help them manage their money learn teach them how to cook X, Y, and Z. And th these kind of services we did provide when I was a caseworker. We, we provided these services. We provided independent living. We provided uh, job coaching. Uh, we provided um, uh, supported employment. Where we would help them get a job and we have a job coach come out periodically. So there was a lot of things that we could provide for them. Um, but as far as social skills... That's that was a little bit more difficult to intervene and help them with, because social skills requires you to have your cognitive skills really sharp. You have to be able to know. You have to be able to read body language. You have to be able to read social cues, facial expressions. Um, you have to be able to read between the lines when someone's talking to you. Are they being sarcastic? Are they making a joke? From their tone of voice, you know. These are things that that require higher level of cognitive skills. And when someone has mild cognitive deficits, they're not going to pick up on certain social cues. They're not going to people that those of you who are listening who have who who know or have kids or know people with high functioning, perhaps autism or in the spectrum or Asperger's. You know this. It's not everyone can pick up. That's what they may struggle with: social cues. Um, <clears throat> And uh, conversation skills. Okay, that's one thing. Now, another thing is um, people with some cognitive dis deficits tend to perhaps, they may burn out quicker. They may be at a job, perhaps they're at a job that's mentally taxing and they go and they get burned out quicker or they get their frustration tolerance is lower. Maybe they, they, they get tired of a job and they quit more frequently. That's going to hurt their um, financial situation. And when it comes to financial situation, if your financial situation isn't good, good luck trying to find a partner or even trying to, you know, start a family. Can you imagine? Everything comes down to your ability to work, your ability to make money, and your ability to 
be social. And if you can't, and and all it takes is a just a just a very slight deficit in cognitive skills, very subtle, to make all the difference in the world that'll make it hard for you to keep jobs, make it hard for you to maintain friendships or romantic relationships. I mean, think about romantic relations. It's hard for anyone to maintain them, uh, much more so if you have slight cognitive deficits. So <clears throat> now in future episodes, we're going to talk about some other concepts that he brings up, but not, not in this episode. But um, I just, I just, I, th I just really, really wanted to share this because it really sheds light on, on the term learning disabilities and how, what, do, what does it mean really? There's, there's specific and there's general and how it overlaps with BIF. What I want to leave you guys with for today is that not only do, okay, so not only do cognitive deficits cause life skills deficits, right? But like I said earlier, a lot of people that have this end up getting depressed, struggling with life, being lonely, um, not not being able to fit in. And this is going to cause major problems. I mean, we're going to talk about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's a psychologist from the 50s, I think, 50s or 60s, a humanist that the, that that basically says that all human beings have basic needs. Social acceptance is is not it's it's a pretty basic need, and if you don't have that, then you're going to have a lot of psychological problems. I don't you know a lot of you that are listening would know this, if if you are if you at all are aware of anybody that has BIF or learning disabilities or cognitive disabilities, they're going to struggle with making friends. A lot of times, will develop anxiety, depression social anxiety, and even worse. I mean, according to this article, he, he, he theorizes that a lot of the people in this population end up in trouble with the law, with addiction, incarceration, and poverty, which I'm going to cover in future episodes. Poverty. Poverty is a big one. So it all stems from subtle cognitive deficits. That leads to life deficits, which leads to um, social deficits, which leads to psychological problems and that's that's what i'm trying that's what i'm trying to um point out is that this is a huge problem and it's it's in actuality a lot of times a root problem to all these other things like depression not for everybody there's people out there that have significant psychiatric conditions and things like that but but for a lot of people they may have depression because they're they're having trouble to fit in. They're having trouble finding a partner. They're having trouble with their finances. They're having trouble with all that. And of course, anybody who has trouble with that, they're gonna get anxiety. They're gonna have stress. They're gonna have depression, or or more so than than others not in those situations. So, um, so yeah. So hopefully you got a lot out of this. Um, I I <laughs> to be honest, I had. I rushed through this episode a little bit because this is my second recording for today. I really messed up the audio. So I, in my mind, I felt like I rushed it, but I hope that you gained a lot from this. Um, but again, I'm going to, I'd like to hear your feedback um, on the podcast, uh, on the show notes, I believe uh, is the email. Easy to remember, the BIF podcast at gmail.com. Now, 
like I said earlier, we're gonna we're, I'm gonna pivot a little bit. I'm gonna start uh, talking about these articles that, are, that have to do with BIF and 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 students and academic, more academic uh, uh, articles. But I'm also gonna try to get a lot of people on the show, and I'm gonna specifically go after you know go after. But I'm gonna ask people directly to come on the show. I'm gonna try to get a variety of people, whether it's people that I know that are adults, or maybe parents of people with uh, BIF, children with BIF, or, or similar conditions. Um, and hopefully the more that, you know, because you can, you can hear me ramble every week, but I think the value in this podcast is to hear other people and their experiences, their stories. And I think that's really going to, is what's going to hit home how common this is and how, 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 um, how devastating it could be. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I definitely look forward to more episodes. We're gonna try to keep it every week, or at the very least every two weeks. We'll do well. I'll do my best. This is an important topic to me. And uh, for for everyone else, uh, stay well. And we'll see you in the next time. Thank you so much. Bye bye. <laughs>